My name is Keith Beavers, and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups put out a peanut butter cup without the chocolate, just the peanut butter. It's glorious. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 10 of Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. This is the bonus season. My name is Keith Beavers. And how you doing? Okay, we got to talk about Croatia. This place is getting very popular in the American market, and there's reasons why. The wine is awesome. So let's get to know Croatia and get into the awesomeness that you're going to see on the shelves. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine and spirits. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini in Napa, we want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at BarrelRoom.com. Cheers and all the best. When I was talking about the word obscure in the Georgia episode, you know, I was saying that it, there's nothing really obscure. There's just places that make wine that, that we just don't, haven't learned about yet. And one of the wine-producing countries that is just amazing, but we haven't learned about fully yet, is Croatia. And what's really wild about that is Croatia is just across the Adriatic Sea from the east coast of Italy. It's kind of a small-ish country just because it's part of the former Yugoslavia, so it's been cut up for years, and finally we're at the place where it's going to probably stay for a long time because it's now in the EU. But this is another one of those places in the world that is ancient with wine. It doesn't have the focus of, like, like Georgia, but like Georgia, Croatia claims to have the oldest continuously cultivated viticultural or wine growing site in the world, dating back to 4 BC on the island of Havar, which we'll talk about in a bit, but they have, archaeologists have found old parcels of vineyards in this area. So it shows that this area has been cultivated for a long time. And of course it has just like the Italian East coast, Croatia, actually a large part of the country is a coastline on the Balkan peninsula. And the coastline runs pretty much from the Southeast near Montenegro there they have a major town a city in Croatia there called Dubrovnik and it goes about 1200 miles north up the coastline and as it goes up the coastline it's dotted with over a thousand small islands some of those islands are very important for wine and this coastline is a Mediterranean climate like any other wine growing region in this area and then as it gets north, the country sort of takes a hard right towards the east. And then you have a whole continental climate over there. So it's a smallish country with both Mediterranean and continental climates. 
it's perfect for wine. And it has been for a long time. It has mountainous wine regions. It has flat land, flat land wine regions. It has coastal wine regions. It has island wine regions. It's awesome. And what's cool is this is not, this country is not only the home of the grape Primitivo, which thrives in Apulia in Italy, southern Italy, but it's also the home of our Zinfandel grape. And I do a whole episode on Zinfandel. I think it was in season one, so check that out. But the thing is, like Georgia, this happens to be a part of the world that went through a lot of economic and political struggle throughout history. And this is another one of those places where we're just now starting to enjoy what the people of Croatia have enjoyed for centuries, their wine. The history of Croatia is long and complicated, and it's actually fascinating, and I wish I could get into it. I mean, it wouldn't be, it's not really a wine thing, it's just a really fascinating history. (laughs) But in 2013, when Croatia was brought into the EU, things really started going for the wine industry in Croatia, especially on the international stage. And because of its beauty and because of its islands and because of its landscapes and its geography, it is naturally a tourist attraction. But when they were brought into the EU, that went a little bit crazy. Um, They weren't brought into the EU until 2013, but in 2012, there was a study that said that the population of Croatia was 4.3 million And in that year, over 12 million people visited the country through tourism. I mean, this is a country that was broke, had had to break away from former Yugoslavia and then have to deal with kind of brutal wars of independence through the 1990s. In 2013, 630 or so square miles of agriculture in Croatia were deemed minefields. So they're, the fact that they have, they're here is wonderful, and we get to try and enjoy these wines. So let's get into Croatia and understand it so you can see what you're looking at on these wine shelves and understand it, because these wines, are, they're, they're coming. They're not going anywhere. They're on the market. They're, gonna, they're, they're making their way into the country. So let's get into it. Croatia is bordered to the north by the country of Slovenia, to the east and southeast by Hungary and Bosnia, to the most southeast, Montenegro. And of course, the west is the the coastline bordered with the Adriatic Sea. And again, just like Italy, because I think probably because of its coastline and its position in the world um, with, with the history of wine, Croatia has identified 200 grapes, 40 of which are indigenous to the country of Croatia. You know, it makes sense. It's a Mediterranean climate, just like Italy, which has hundreds and hundreds of native grapes as well. There are four general and large wine regions, which are in turn divided into 12 subregions, which are in turn divided into 61 wine districts. So, of course, we can't get into all that. So let's just talk in general about these four wine regions and give you a sense of the varieties that are being used to make wine there. So... You can recognize them. In the northern inland part of the country where the continental climates are, you have two regions. You have the Croatian uplands, and then east of that, you have what's called 
Slavonia and Croatian Danube, or just Slavonia and Danube, because it's that side of the Danube that is Croatian. On the other side is the Republic of Serbia. The Croatian uplands is a very cool region, and it surrounds the large city of Zagreb. It's very hilly. It's very fertile. And this is an area where you're going to see kind of what we call international varieties, right? Varieties that mostly come from France that are planted all over the world. Pinot Noir, Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris. They're making very lean, not lean, but very kind of crisp, high acid wines from these grapes. I've had a few. They're very cool. But the area also has two indigenous white wine grapes, one called Moslavak and one called Moslavina. Moslavak is what the Hungarians called ferment. And they make sort of clean, fresh, fruity, high acid white wines. And east of that, in the region that's called Slavonia and Danube, or Croatian Danube, these, this is actually a flatland. You don't see a lot of hills here. But this is home to the grape Grashvina. And that is a white, white wine that's making it onto the American market. You're going to see Grashvina around. They also make a red wine from the Blaufrankish grape, which is an Austrian variety, which is a couple countries north. But they call it Frankovka. I haven't had a Frankovka, but I love Blaufrankisch, so I would like to try it one day. I have had a lot of Grashvina at that bar Ruffian I talked about in the last episode for Georgia. And it's kind of a nice, off-dry, lean, easy-drinking wine. But they also make Grashvina into late-harvest sweet wines, which is very good as well. West of the inland, we're getting towards the coast. And there's a whole section of the coast in the north that's called Istria Kvarner. And this is an area that shares a lot of, I don't know, the cultural influence with Northeast Italy. I mean, it's so close. It doesn't border Friuli, but it's so close to Friuli. So here we're in the Mediterranean climate, but one of the reasons why this place is special and why it's a wine region is not only does it have the coastal influence, but it has cool air coming from the Alps that helps moderate the temperatures in this area. And these climactic conditions make it ideal for two native grapes, one called Refoshk and one called Tehran. Now, I say Refoshk, it might sound like Refosco. It's not. It's a different variety, but it's in the same family. Tehran is a different variety altogether, but it's, it's, it's a great area for these wines because they have this sort of soft, smooth fruit with good acid and a slight fruit depth, and they can get a little bit dark, but they're very similar to Merlot which actually does very well here as well. And I say similar to Merlot as in texture and style, not in aromas and stuff like that. They're completely different varieties when it comes to aromas and and the nose and all that, but they have a similar texture to them. They also do a white grape here called Malvasia Istarska, which is just an Istrian Malvasia. It's awesome. It's dry, a little bit honeyed, a little bit floral. They're beautiful wines. And on the island of Kirk, K-R-K, there is a very well-known wine. It's, it's a nice, lean, almost delicate white wine made from a grape called Zlatina. And I say that because I've seen Zlatina on the market. It's around. But it's Dalmatia, the fourth region, coastal region, that gets a lot of attention. Number one, because the islands are there, the Dalmatian islands. And it's just a tourist attraction. And also, as Jedi wine master Jancis Robinson says, it's the treasure trove of native varieties in this country. 
and it makes sense. Mediterranean has been occupied by the coastal Mediterranean area has been occupied by so many cultures over so many times. It makes complete sense. But it's here that we have these very important islands I was talking about before. And it's here that the, I mean, if you're interested in Zinfandel and a story in that story in Zinfandel, I have an episode on it, but this is where Zinfandel comes from. And they call it Tribidrag. This is a place where you're going to see the majority of the wines from Croatia on the American market. And they're mostly going to be red. And they're mostly going to be dominated by a grape called Plavac Mali. And Plavac Mali is important because there are two wine regions in this area. One called Postup and one called Dingac that were some of the first recognized areas in Croatia all the way back in the 1960s to be protected as wine regions. So Plavac Mali is a very important grape for this part of Croatia. And they're, they're great wines. They're medium body. They can be a little bit heavy as well. Uh, actually, they can be medium bodied and they can be heavy, but they have a nice dense fruit core to them. They're excellent, excellent with lean meats and oh, it's so good. But not only does the coastline make wines from this variety and other varieties in the area that we may not see right away on the American market, but you'll also see wines coming from the islands of Korkula, Havar, Vis, and Brock. I know these are, these are, I may not, I actually may not be pronouncing them correctly, uh, but again, go to the transcripts for Wine 101 on Vinepair and you can get all the spellings of these, of these varieties and of these islands and of these regions. And it's the island of Korkula that they have this native grape called Posheep. P-O-S-I-P, that's an easy one to spell, Posheep. That is a great, another one, it's an island white. It's like if you're drinking, you know, if you're sitting with a, with a, with a bowl of mussels or some seafood or some shrimp and you just want a nice, clean, crisp white wine to drink that goes well with seafood, that's Posheep. So those are the four wine regions of Croatia and those are some of the varieties that are grown that we're going to see on the American market. And the, it's really interesting because the majority of the wine, well, about almost 60% of wine in Croatia is made in the inland regions with a little bit over 40% on the coastal regions. But because of the tourist attraction of the coastal regions, I think we see more of the coastal stuff on the American market. And the wine categories are similar to what you would see with a European Union or an EU market. You have the PDOs, and then you have the IGPs. Again, this I have a whole Appalachian episode in season one that you can listen to, but they have your premium quality wines, your quality wines, and then your table wines, just like any other place in Europe. And they have different names for them, of course, because of their because of their of their uh, their language. So you have the PDO wines, or like the DOC wines, like the higher quality stuff. The premium quality wines is called Verhunskovino. The next level down, which is just quality, not premium quality, but quality wines. And they're called Cavalli Tento Vino. And I'm again, I might be ruining that. And then you have your table wines, you know, your everyday wines, and they're called Stolno Vino. So although Croatian wines might, or wine labels might be a little bit difficult to read, that'll give you a sense of the categories. And one more thing I should say about the continental climate inner inland regions is the Slavonia area is very popular with Italian winemakers for the oak that is there. You'll often hear uh, mostly in central and northern Italy wines being aged in Slavonian oak and that's where that comes from. 
So that was a little crash course on Croatia. I hope you enjoyed it and got you a little bit of information. So when you're in the wine shops and you're there, you're talk, people are talking about Croatian wine, you kind of know what's going on and you can actually, you know, enjoy the wines. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. Day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Ian J. Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine experience. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, we want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at barrelroom.com. Cheers and all the best.